Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Well, welcome again to South Valley Community Church. My name is Ricky Hemme. Again, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room this morning. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us. And how awesome was that to see all of those families come up here and say, I want to raise my child in a way that honors the Lord. I want to see them walk in God's calling and be excellent at whatever he calls them to do. That's such an amazing, amazing moment. Today's a special day because not only is it Mother's Day, but today we're, yeah, yeah, we could, I'm excited about that all day. Uh, uh, not only that, but we're wrapping up the Ten Commandments. And so we have been going through the Ten Commandments for the last 10 weeks. And today is the final one of the Ten Commandments, and it's about coveting. And so that's kind of an interesting topic. Uh, I've learned a lot as I studied this week. Just as a reminder, um, we've been going through the Ten Commandments and and talking about how they apply in the 21st century, how relevant they actually are. We've learned that these ten words are special divine utterances from God himself, and they're all about one... Oh, shoot, I didn't see this. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's funny. Yeah, so I was in Dallas yesterday. Um, I got home late last night, and uh, I, I wanted to make sure to be here with all of you today. It's official. I'm, a, I'm officially a doctor. Um, but don't come to me for medical advice. Uh, but yeah, uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, just graduated with my doctorate. It feels so good. Yeah, I just got to tell you, it feels so good. Um, okay, back to the Ten Commandments. <laughs> It's all about love. Jesus summarized the commands with this. Love God, love your neighbor. If we did those two things, could you imagine how different this world would look? If we just loved God and we loved our neighbor as we love ourselves, be an entirely different planet that we're living on, entirely different culture. And so the 10 commandments are incredibly relevant today. So what are they? Let's kind of go back and look at them real quick. First was no other gods. Put God first in everything. The second was no idols. Don't make a, an image and bow down to it. The third was don't abuse God's name or use it in vain. The fourth was remember the Sabbath. The fifth was honor your father and mother. Number six, do not murder. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not lie. And number 10, do not covet. Now, what I find interesting about this list is that the first and the last on the list are somewhat connected because they legislate the heart. You see, with these other ones, uh, we could see them on the outside. When somebody commits adultery, we can see that. When somebody murders, we can see that. Even when somebody abuses God's name, we can see that or we can hear that. But these two are a matter of the heart. The first asks this question. The first is, who is at the center of your life? Paul, he makes a connection between the first and the last commands. He says, put to death covetousness, which is our topic today, which is also idolatry. Every time we covet, 
We take God off of the throne, so we break the first commandment, and we break the te- 10th commandment at once. And so uh, commandment number one is asking this question, who is at the center of your life? Does God reign on the throne of your heart? Is he number one in your world or is somebody else? Commandment number 10 asks this question, what is at the center of your affections? What is your mind fixated on? What, is, what are your thoughts fixated on? One thing that I've discovered through this series is that when our desire for God goes down, our desire for things that are bad for us goes up. When our desire for God goes down, our desire for harmful things goes up. And so if you put God on the throne of your life and you put him first, then you'll naturally begin to obey the 10 commandments because it's gonna be your desire to do his will and you're gonna love his will for your life. Now you don't obey the 10 commandments in order to earn God's love. You already have it if you belong to Jesus. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't make God love you. He already loves you in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Okay, that's, a, that's an important distinction. Okay, I'm, throughout this series, I'm not trying to, tell you, be good. I'm trying to tell you throughout the series, we need to be born again. Because we can't be good. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to make us live lives that we can never live on our own. Well, in a world marked by discontentment and an endless fascination with more, would you guys agree with that? God's final command is a path to true freedom and joy. Let's pray and jump into it. Father God, I wanna lift up this congregation to you today. I wanna thank you again for the child dedications. I wanna thank you again for moms. I thank you for my mom. I thank you for her care and her love. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that comes alongside moms, that comes alongside women, that really does do the work of sacrificing and loving for those who uh, we, we value and we so value the mothers in this room. We thank you for their love. And we thank you, Jesus, for your love. And we pray right now as we open your word that you'd speak to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Have you guys ever noticed that when couples go out to eat, There are usually two people at the table, two, well, yeah, there's always two people, two personalities, two different personalities at the table. Okay, I want you to think about this. Which personality are you, all right? Personality number one is the person who knows exactly what they want, okay? They knew what they were gonna order at at lunch or dinner before they even got there, okay? This person, they don't slow down the drive-through line. They don't slow down the waitress. They don't even need a menu. They know exactly what they want. Anybody in the house this morning that describe you? All right, so that your personality number one. Personality number two, bless their heart, <laughs> never knows what they want. Okay, they will read the menu over and over. You could send them the menu in advance. They still don't know when they get there. And then they sit down, they read it over and over again. They debate for about 15 minutes. And then they look over at personality number one and they say, hey, will you order for me? (laughs) So personality number one orders for number two. And it seems like everything's solved, everything's better. Uh, But if if you've been there before, you know that it's not. Because as soon as the food comes out, personality number two looks across the table. (laughs) 
man, I should have got the cheeseburger. I don't want a salad anymore. I want the cheesy fries. And now personality number one has to share his cheesy fries and share his cheeseburger and share everything he's been thinking about for the last week that he knew he was gonna order in advance with personality number two. Anybody ever experienced that here today? Okay, if you, okay, well, I'm just gonna tell you, personality number two, when you look across the table and you covet my food, That's breaking the 10th commandment. <laughs> We've all been there, right? I was just in Texas. Everything in Texas is enormous, even their cheeseburgers, okay? And it was awesome, it was awesome, it was very good. Okay, today we're talking about coveting. What is coveting? Let's get, start with a definition. What is coveting? Coveting is uh, never being happy with what you have. It's coveting. It's the insatiable attempt to take what is not yours. Insatiable attempt to take what is not yours. I heard another pastor describe it this way. He said, coveting is when you don't want what God wants for you. So this is the command today. Let's read it together. Commandment number 10, you shall not covet. Covet what? Well, you don't covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or spouse or his male servant, those who work for him. Remember, we talked about indentured servitude. These are not slaves. These are people who worked for a household or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbors. Now to covet is to want to the point of seeking to take away and own something that belongs to another person. And when we read this command, some of us, we feel really good about it. Like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing really good. I've never coveted my neighbor's ox. I do not want one of those things. Or the donkey. Like I'm not a, I'm not a fan of, of donkeys. Now, uh, so it's easy like to look at it and think this is really archaic. Of course, I don't struggle with this, but... Maybe you don't covet their donkey, but you might covet their BMW or their Mercedes. When God says don't covet your neighbor's house, the Hebrew word he uses here is bait. It means their house, their household. So that's their children. Like, man, why, I want my children to be like their children or I want their children which is really weird, um, family possessions, whatever they have, okay? So here's, let's look at this, just to make it clear, he says, you shall not covet anything that is your neighbor's. That's how he closes it out, anything. And as a reminder, when Jesus was asked, who's my neighbor? He said, every person you come across is your neighbor. Not just the person in your neighborhood, not just the person next door. Every person you come across is your neighbor neighbor. Now, I think we should pause here, though, and ask a question. I think this is an important question for today's command, and that is, is all desire bad? How would you answer that question? Is all desire bad? No, right? All desire is not bad. Absolutely not. There's a difference, though, between admiration and coveting. It's okay to admire the items on that list. It's okay to say, wow, my neighbor has a great house, 
It's okay to say, wow, I just admire my neighbor's marriage. They work so well together. I just love seeing how happy they are together. Or have you seen my neighbor's donkey? That is one strong donkey, all right? If, if that's you, it's okay to acknowledge that. It's, that's okay. Uh, just a side note, my neighbors, they're right here in the front, right here, Jim and Peggy. That, uh, yeah, this is Peggy and Jim. They live next door to me, literally right next door to me. Um, and uh, they have a wonderful front yard, a wonderful front yard. It's colorful, it's manicured. There's a little fake pond with a turtle on it. And then my front yard, my, I like my front yard, but it's, it's not very colorful. I have some trees and plants and black bark, okay? And so when I drive by their yard, I'm like, man, they, I admire their yard. But I never admire their yard and their pond enough that I'm going to go like steal the turtle out of their yard, right? <laughs> now, I'm not going to say my kids will never take the turtle, but I will never take, I will never take the turtle. So there, there's nothing wrong with admiring. It's okay to admire cool things. My daughter, Blake, she was just in here handing out flowers. Um, she always tells me that when she grows up, she's going to buy a Tesla and a farmhouse. Um, so she's going to be a green cowgirl. Yeah. And, uh, and so when, every time she tells me that, I never tell her to stop desiring that. I just tell her, all right, well, you better go find a good job. Okay. I, I don't tell her to stop desiring a Tesla and a farmhouse. Go get it, girl. Like if that's what you want to do, get a good job, get a Tesla, get a farmhouse and be a green cowgirl. I'm, I'm okay with that. Desiring though is different than coveting. I heard a pastor describe the difference between the two in this way. He said, desiring is looking at a couple in love and saying, I want that with my spouse. That's okay, right? We see a couple, they communicate well, they love each other and, you, and it makes you evaluate your own relationship and how you can grow and you, want, you desire more for your relationship. And so you say, I want that with my spouse. That's a good desire. Coveting though is looking at a couple in love and saying, I want that with your spouse, okay? That, that's a big difference. That's a very big difference. What I hope you hear today is that God cares about the heart. This command legislates the heart. You can hide things from people. You can never hide things from God. He knows who you truly worship. He knows what you really desire. He knows the real you. And he warns us in scripture that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we do with our hands, what we say with our mouth is a reflection of what is actually happening in our hearts. And, and so it might sound on the surface like, why, why would you have a command about coveting? Well, the reason why is because coveting kills, the Bible says. Coveting actually kills. It'll kill your joy. It'll kill your marriage. It'll kill your, your ability to be grateful. It will even result sometimes in killing people. Listen to what James says in James 4. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder you covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. Coveting kills. It's the sin that leads to all the other sins. So I wanna give you this morning three ways to avoid coveting. Number one is stop comparing. 
Stop comparing. Do you know what social media has created? A world of coveters. We covet when we wake up in the morning. We covet at lunch when we pull out our phone. We covet at night before we close our eyes as we scroll through the pages and as we look at what everybody has and what everybody's up to and what everybody's doing and where they move to and what school they go to and how their kids look and how they look and the clothes they wear and the car they drive and the amount of followers that they have and the amount of attention that they get. And we look and we look and we look and as we look, we compare. Amen. <laughs> and we covet. I learned a new term this week called conspicuous consumption. Kind of an interesting term. Uh, scientists talked about this. Economists talked about this. Conspicuous consumption is the, is the purchase of goods or services for the specific purpose of displaying one's wealth or social status. You don't buy it because you need it. You don't buy it because you really even want it. You buy it because you want others to want it. You want others to see it. You want to make an impression on others. This includes purchasing items exclusively designed to serve as symbols of wealth, like luxury brands, high-tech toys, exotic vehicles. And so why though is conspicuous consumption on the rise? Because people want to look important. And let's just be honest for a moment. It's hard to not want what others have. If you're being real, if you're being honest before the Lord, if you're being honest with yourself, it's hard to not want what others have. When I was in Texas yesterday for graduation, I mentioned already, everything is bigger in Texas. The cars are bigger. The houses are bigger. The churches are bigger. The food is bigger. You look around and you're like, oh my gosh, am I living a small life? <laughs> like, why is, why is my park not this big? Why is my school not this big? Why are my wheels on my truck not this big? It's so easy to look around and to covet what others have. And I just want to be honest. I fall into that trap as well. I walk around and I look and it's like, oh my gosh, look how great that is. And look how great this is. And oh my gosh, wouldn't that be amazing? But we have to stop comparing. God has given you what you have and he intends you to use it for his glory and for your good and to be grateful for what is in front of you and for who is in front of you and to live to his glory. And he's given others what they have and they have that and he has that exact same expectation on their lives. Let's stop comparing because here's the reality. Comparison is the thief of joy. Can I get an amen? When we compare, we no longer enjoy what we have. And what you have millions of other people on the planet would be incredibly grateful for. But for some reason, you are tempted and I am tempted to look at what we have and say, nope, I want more. That's not enough, God. You didn't give me enough. And we start wanting what others have and we give in to the temptation and the sin of coveting. And one of the ways this plays out in our culture is that we are a culture that buys things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> or we do it to impress people that we want to like us and finally 
see us. And if you need a certain kind of car or a certain kind of purse to be noticed by somebody, that person is not really a friend. Stop comparing. Here's the truth. You don't need nice things to be important. Jesus says it this way. He says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You are not the sum of what you have. You are not defined by your car. You are not defined by your house. You are not defined by your children. You are not defined by your title or your job. You are defined by God alone. And what God says about you is what truly matters about you. And that's why we do child dedications. That's why we do child dedications because we want them to grow up knowing that their greatest goal in life should be to live for him and trust in him and find security in him. Because as soon as they take their eyes off of him, they will live for all these things that will never fulfill them, that will only let them down and that may end up hurting them in the end. And so Jesus says, be on guard against covetousness. Guards are people you put in place to watch over things that are vulnerable, things that are valuable. Okay, you have guards in place watching things that matter. And so Jesus says, hey, you need to guard your heart. You need to have a guard watching over you day and night, watching you because the enemy wants to attack you and put thoughts in your brain and say, no, you need a little bit more. Oh no, you need that. Or no, you gotta go take it. And, and, and sometimes you just need to know you are vulnerable. We are vulnerable. So put up a guard. When are you most vulnerable? Are you vulnerable at night when you're on your phone? Are you vulnerable every time you hang out with that one group? Are you vulnerable when you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Are you vulnerable when you get your paycheck? Are you vulnerable when you're tired? That's when I do my stress shopping. That's when I buy things I don't need to impress people I don't even like. Jesus says, guard yourself. Put up a guard, the Holy Spirit, Ask the spirit of God to guard you from wanting what others have and to be grateful for what is right in front of you. Number one, if you wanna avoid coveting, stop comparing. I came across this cool prayer. I just wanna read it really quickly because it's a great prayer to pray. Lord, help me to turn down the volume of the voices that tell me I have little worth unless I am wealthy, influential, and popular. Grant me the grace today to experience your voice, which tells me you are my child whom I love. With you, I am well pleased in Jesus' name, amen. I would pray that over your life, that you would just learn to silence those voices that tell you you are not enough. Number two, choose to be content. Stop comparing. Number two, choose to be content. One of my favorite verses as a new Christian was Philippians 4.13. You guys know this verse, right? I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love this verse so much. I actually had it uh, painted on my motorcycle helmet when I raced motocross. And I would kind of pray this over my life before every race. Like I'm gonna win this race in Jesus' name and by the strength that he provides. And there's nothing wrong with saying that and wanting to do a good job. But only later did I discover that this verse has nothing to do with winning. It has everything to do with being content. If you look at the context of this verse, this is Paul praying or talking, this is what he says. He says, I have learned in whatever situation, rich, poor, much, little, highs, lows, I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty. I have it all. And I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to have an abundance. I know what it's like to be in need. And here's what I've discovered. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what Paul says. You can be content in any and every situation. You can learn to be content when you have a lot. You can learn to be content when you have a little. Think about Jesus's life. Jesus, before coming into earth and taking on flesh, he forever existed. He is the eternal son of God. He has the wealth of galaxies. He has the wealth of heaven. He is the richest. He owns it all. And yet he's content. And then he comes down onto earth and he lives among us and he lives a life of poverty. He lives a life. He doesn't have a child. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't even have a home. Yet he's content. Content with the father. He's content with much. He's content with little. Paul was content with much. Paul is content with little. My encouragement to you today is this. Contentment is a choice. It's a choice. To see what you have and to be grateful for what is right in front of you. You see, human beings, we like to distinguish between the wealthy and the unwealthy. But God distinguishes between the content and the covetous. That's what he sees. Not are you wealthy or unwealthy, but are you content? Or are you covetous? Are you grateful for what you have? Or are you always trying to get something else, wanting what others have? Whether you have much or you have little, you can learn to be content. When one of the wealthiest men in history, John D. Rockefeller, was asked, how much money is enough money? You know what he said? Just a little bit more. You can know you have a heart consumed by coveting when no amount of anything is good enough for you. And finally, number three, if you want to avoid coveting, don't just stop comparing Don't just choose contentment, but learn to celebrate the wins of others. This one for me is the one that excites me the most, okay? Um, When I, as I'm raising my kids, all right, so I got two little ones, my hope for my kids, and they don't do this all the time, but they they actually do a pretty good job at it. Uh, I want them to be people who celebrate others. I want them to be gift givers. I want them to be excited about the, the wins of others. And, and, and if you guys have had a friend like this, isn't that so refreshing when your friend celebrates you and they're not jealous over you? Like you did something cool or you got something cool or God blessed you with the house or God blessed you with the car or God blessed you with an inheritance or man, your crop did so well this year or man, you, did so, you just graduated and you got your doctorate and you got to walk across the stage and everybody got to clap for you and, and all that. Uh, uh, no. And they could just celebrate you. Isn't that a great feeling? When your friends just celebrate your wins, that's the kind of friend we're called to be. When we are content, when we are grateful, we celebrate the wins of others. We're not comparing, 
We're, we're, not, we're not worrying about what they have and how they got it. And oh my gosh, and I can't believe they, they got that car. Like, oh my, like I would have never gotten that color car or whatever it is. Like, we know what this is like. You get something cool. And there's sometimes when you get something cool, you're afraid to show that cool thing or talk about that cool thing to your friend because you're like, oh my gosh, as soon as I tell them what just happened to me, they're gonna get jealous and they're gonna get weird. And now it's just gonna be a wedge in our friendship. That should never, ever happen especially amongst believers. We should celebrate the wins of others. Paul says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. When your friends win, you win. When your church wins, you win. When the people around you win, you win. And this is something we gotta teach our kids at a young age. I believe that coveting starts at kids' birthday parties. I'm convinced of that where it all begins. Like, can your kids, can my kids walk into a birthday party and celebrate another child and not covet what that child is getting? Can my kids go in there and sing happy birthday and give the smile and celebrate while that, that other friend is opening all the presents and say, man, I am so happy for you. I want you to know it all starts as, as a child. When our kids covet for Pokemon cards at seven and they don't get their heart in check. That's what parenting is all about, shepherding the heart. If their heart is not in check at seven, then that love for Pokemon cards is going to be turning into coveting giant toys that they can't afford. And then when they graduate high school or when they start making money, they're gonna start spending money that they don't have and go into debt. And, and here's the problem. When it comes to coveting, a lot of times we see what others have and we always think, oh my gosh, look at how good life is. But here's the thing. Sometimes when you peek behind the veil, it's not as pretty as it looks. Maybe there's mounting debt. Maybe there's a broken relationship on the other side. Maybe there was lying and stealing and cheating to get there. Maybe that person is actually miserable and unhappy. And so they buy things to fill that temporary happiness, but it always goes away. And so they gotta buy more things. Learn to celebrate the wins of others. Stop comparing. Be content. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. I have a question for you this, this morning and I hope you could answer yes to this. And it's, are you grateful? You've been blessed. Whether you have much this morning or you have little, you're blessed. You belong to an amazing country. You belong to a great community. You belong to a wonderful church. You have family around you. You have friends around you. If you don't feel like you have family or friends around you, we will become your family and your friends around you. Be grateful. God loves you. God wants to take care of you. 
God wants to give you good things. He is a good father who blesses his children with good things. Okay, there's nothing wrong with wanting good things for your kids. There's nothing wrong with wanting cool things in your life. God gives many good things, but he asks, are you grateful? Because if you're not grateful, it will always lead to coveting. And if you covet, coveting happens in the heart and eventually shows itself in the hands. And what, what happens in here manifests itself into breaking of all the other commandments. It all begins in the heart. And so here's my big takeaway throughout this series. I hope you, you hear this. I didn't start this series because I wanted to, you know, make us, you know, so much more moral. Like we need more morality. I'm not saying morality is bad, but reality is we've learned throughout this series, we are not moral. We are lawbreakers. And so the, the, the goal of this series was not be better. The goal of this series was be born again. You're a coveter. If you've hated your brother, you're a murderer. If you've told a white lie, you're a liar. If you've looked upon somebody lustfully, you're an adulterer. If you've ever taken something that's not yours, you have stealed. If you have ever taken God off the throne, you've worshiped other gods. I, throughout this series, it's been crystal clear. We are law breakers. And if you just tell us to be better, we will never be better on our own because we have a sin problem that begins in the heart. And the only way to break the patterns of the heart is for God to come into our lives, into our worlds, to awaken, uh, to awaken us from the inside so that we can be born again and have a new life. And so if you want to stop coveting, if you want to be content, if you want to stop lying and stealing and using God's name in vain and doing all these things that we've talked about, what you need is you need a new heart with new desires. And that only comes by calling upon the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to give you a new heart and to give you a new life. And so he invites you to believe. He invites you to trust. He invites you to acknowledge your breaking of his commands, to repent of those things, to turn from them and to turn to him. And when you do that, he gives you the spirit of God to strengthen you and empower you to live a life that you can never, ever, ever live on your own. Jesus fulfilled the law because we are lawbreakers and could never fulfill it on our own. Do you know him this morning? That's the key. Do you know him? I wanna pray for us. Um, I wanna just say again, thank you so much for coming today. And just so you know, if you're new with us and you wanna become a member, you wanna be part of what we're doing, we, we have so many dreams and goals for this church and we need more and more people to come alongside us. We have membership class next week. So if you're ready to, you know what? I'm not gonna do this thing on the side. I'm gonna be all in in this faith thing. Become a member, sign up, it's next week. We'd love to have you there. And uh, if you ever need help in your walk, we, we want to be a church that supports and encourages you. And moms, again, we just want you to know how much we love you and appreciate you. I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, I'm gonna pray a prayer that if you wanna receive Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I confess that I have a heart that's set 
on harmful things. I confess that I have sin. Things that pull me from you and that hurt people around me. Forgive me for coveting. Forgive me for not giving my all to you. Allow me to trust you in the highs and the lows to be joyfully content. I pray, Jesus, that you would come into my life, forgive me of my sin, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.